as we continue the sermon series through the Ten Commandments, I invite you to open your Bible or one of the pew Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, 17, uh, verses 17 through 32. Now you may, you may note that this is exactly the same passage that we read last Sunday. And the reason is, if you'll see in this passage really what the Apostle Paul is doing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he is really taking a good many of the commandments of the second tablet and applying them in the Christian context. So we're going to read the same passage we read last Sunday, but we're going to see last Sunday we focused on the eighth commandment, you shall not steal. This morning we're focusing on the ninth, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Let us ask the Lord's blessing upon the reading and hearing of his holy word. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks for the truth of your word. We thank you, O oh God, that your word is trustworthy because you are trustworthy. And we pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will enable us to live trustworthy lives, being faithful to Jesus Christ who above all was and is and always shall be the true and faithful one, whose name we pray. Amen. The Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, beginning at verse 17, found on page 978 of your Black Pew Bible. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, that is, pagan unbelievers, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, the old man, the fallen nature, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the new man, the regenerated, born-again person created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, do not murder in your hearts. Give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander, false witness, be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. 
The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever, and to his name be all praise, honor, glory, and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Well, as we've said in recent weeks, the commandments take us back to the very beginning, and again today, the ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness, takes us back, back to the beginning, because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God created man, male and female, in his own image, to reflect his glory upon the earth, to be the visible representatives of the invisible creator. That's why we were created, to be the, in, to be the visible representatives of the invisible creator. Which means that humanity originally was originally created to live according and to reflect the moral character and integrity of God himself. And truth is a moral attribute of God. And truth speaking is a moral characteristic of God. As Jesus said, his word is truth. The scripture says that it is impossible for God to lie. Hebrews 6.18. It is impossible for God to lie. Falsehood is alien to his eternal character. Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God, is the living human embodiment of eternal truth. There are those in our culture today who would say that there really is no such thing as truth. And by the way, that really is nothing new. Do you remember that in his trial, before his crucifixion, Pilate snarled at him, what is truth? Remember that? He said that to the one who was and is the flesh and blood embodiment of eternal truth. Jesus said of himself, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In the book of the Revelation, the risen, reigning Lord Jesus Christ is identified by that special name, faithful and true. So we, humanity, were originally created in the image of God the God of truth, to know the truth, to speak the truth, to live according to the truth in order to reflect the glory of the God of truth. And therefore, God has given to us the ninth commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, although the ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, has specific reference and particular application to truthful testimony in a court of law. That's the, the primary context. It also applies to all manner of speech. Remember the commandments, honor your father and mother, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery. Those are major headings which cover all aspects of respect for authority, the protection of human life, the sanctity of sexual ethics, and so forth. Well, you shall not bear false witness is the major heading, the major category for speaking 
the truth at all times and in all places with special application or emphasis on protecting the good name and the good reputation of our neighbor. Now, none of us likes to be falsely accused, to have our good name maligned and our reputation tarnished or destroyed by falsehood. And therefore, God's law obligates us to protect the good name and the reputation of others. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor means positively you shall protect and uphold the good name and the good reputation of your neighbor. There is a moral obligation to our neighbor here. But now think with me about this. If truth speaking is a matter of godly character, reflecting an attribute of God himself, then what is lying? Truth twisting. Truth shading. Gossip. Slander. Every time we twist the truth, every time we tell a little lie, every time we engage in deceit and duplicity, we are acting as good disciples of the devil. Satan is, first of all, a liar. Jesus called Satan the father of lies, saying, Jesus' words, the devil has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Well, that takes us back to the beginning too, doesn't it? You remember that it was by a sly and subtle twisting of the truth, the twisting of God's word, that Satan deceived Eve in the Garden of Eden and Adam swallowed the lie. Anytime we twist the truth, craftily deceive our neighbor We are imitating Satan. We learned that from him. Anytime we tell a lie, we are choosing to conform our character to Satan's evil character. Therefore, to our eternal peril. And our lies are most like Satan's lies when they are most subtle, sly, artful, elusive, and intended to put a smear on someone else. Only a very desperate person or a very stupid person or perhaps a very powerful and well-protected person will tell an out-and-out bold-faced lie. But though we may not tell such outright naked lies, we are natural masters of the art of deception. How often do we play mind games, even with our friends, colleagues, spouse, in order to shade the truth, keep something back? Listen, 
Little lies are satanic lies, and in God's ears, all lying is serious business, as serious as spiritual death. Now, Romans 1 gives us the divine diagnosis of the fallen human condition. Strife, deceit, malice, gossip, and slander are listed right along and right beside sexual perversion and murder as illustrations of human sinful depravity. It is no wonder then that the scripture says that the Lord hates and detests a lying tongue and a false witness who pours out lies and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Proverbs 6. The Lord hates a lying tongue, a false witness, a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Proverbs 19.5 gives the warning that a false witness will not go unpunished and he who pours out lies will not escape. Proverbs 16.27 and following says, A scoundrel plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire. A perverse man stirs up dissension and gossip separates close friends. The letter of James says about the tongue, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now as those who profess faith with our tongues, profess faith in Jesus Christ, we are therefore called to speak the truth and to be careful to protect the truth about others. We're called to live according to that godly character described in Psalm 15. He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor nor takes up a reproach against his friend. We read again today from Ephesians chapter 4, Focusing today on the New Testament application of the ninth commandment. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. In conformity with Christ's character of truth and love, we are to relate to one another in the body of Christ. Specifically, among other things, this means that we're not to speak ill of one another, that we have nothing to do with gossip and rumor mongering, that we take no delight, no delight in hearing a bad report about someone else. Most of you probably remember the old saying, if you can't say something nice about someone, then... Don't say anything at all. Well, in a way, under ordinary circumstances, that rule is it's a pretty good guideline for Christian civility and a show of Christian charity, a charitable attitude toward others. It's intended to teach us to treat others as we ourselves would want to be treated by them. I don't like to be talked about negatively, and I ought not to talk negatively about others. It's particularly unbecoming for Christians because as Christians, we know that we are sinners. 
always in need of grace and mercy, which means that I know, I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's plenty of negative stuff that you could say about me. And a lot of it would be true. Well, I need to remember that. How about you? But still, it is not enough. It's not enough for us not to gossip or not to speak ill of others. The Scripture says that we should not even listen to malicious slander or ill speaking about another. Proverbs 17.4 says, An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to mischievous tongue. Hmm, what is she saying? Oh, did you hear about that? Hmm, isn't that interesting? Hmm. The point is clear. Don't be a party to gossip and to destructive rumor. If the matter is a serious one and needs to be dealt with, if it in some way relates to you, if it is your business, then go to that person privately. But don't listen in on the party line. Don't get caught up in the rumor mill or in the feeding frenzy of bloodthirsty, gossip-hungry society sharks. Satan wants us to find fault with one another. Satan wants us to find fault with one another. Satan wants Christians to find fault with one another. Satan wants Christians to notice, point out, dwell on, highlight, and exaggerate the faults of their fellow Christians. Satan wants Christians to believe and to think the worst of one another. Satan wants us to know and to believe how much better we are, how much righter we are, how much more spiritual we are than our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And Satan delights, he just delights when we are quick to find fault with one another or even just to imagine faults about each other. That's even better because he just loves the sandbox of our imagination. And he kicks up a lot of sand. So that we begin to destroy one another and tear down the body of Christ. Christians, beware. The scripture says your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. As those redeemed by the blood of the Son of God, we are called and commanded by God to love one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. 1 Peter 4 eight. Love one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Proverbs 10.12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers offenses. Love covers offenses. Proverbs 17.9 says, Whoever covers an offense seeks love. He who repeats a matter separates close friends. Now these verses from Proverbs refer and they apply to, to personal offenses. You know, if we, if we live in close Christian fellowship together with one another long enough, if we, if we live as Christians as we ought to, as the body of Christ involved in one another's lives, 
we're going to bump into each other. We're going to rub each other the long way every now and then. We're going to step on each other's toes. And sometimes we're really going to mess up and hurt one another. And that's when we've got to, as the scripture says, love one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers offenses. Particularly and especially in the church as sinners redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We're called to bear with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so Ephesians 4 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, of course, if you're wondering, of course, of course, there is a time for confronting our brother or sister. There is a time for speaking the truth in love about the sin in his or her life. There is a time for that, and there is a way to do that. With humility, recognizing our own sinfulness and failure, and therefore with gentleness, directly, face-to-face, with the purpose of reconciliation and restoration. So here's the point. Here's a good general rule which applies to us all. And I'll say it this way. If you've got a problem with me and it's worth talking about, talk to me. Don't talk about me. We ought to have the integrity to apply that rule in our relationships with others. Do unto others as we would have them do unto us. And perhaps the children's catechism sums it up best simply by saying, what does the ninth commandment teach us? Always to tell the truth. Why? Why? Because God always tells the truth. And we were created to be like him. The problem is that we don't. And God will judge the secrets of our hearts according to the truth with a capital T. His truth. His righteousness. So once again, the law of God reveals to us our sin. And reveals to us that we cannot be saved by the works of the law because none of us has kept the law of God perfectly. Once again, the law of God reveals our sin, exposes our guilt, and points us to the Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about Him. The living Word of eternal truth. The human embodiment of perfect, absolute, unadulterated, uncorrupted truth. Think about it. Just think about him. If ever slander were spoken against a man, if evil gossip were ever whispered against a man, if false accusations were ever hurled against a man, if false witnesses ever conspired against a man, it was against this man, Jesus Christ, who lived the life of perfect truth, and yet who was unjustly condemned and crucified by wicked liars. Liars! 
you and I. He was continually, continually receiving the blows of false accusation throughout his life. And at his trial, at his trial, during which false witnesses conspired against him, he was the only man who spoke the truth. And as he died on the cross, the passers-by continued to hurl their insults of false witness against him. As the scripture says, he committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Liars redeemed by the one who is the truth. Now this is the glory of the gospel. This is the mystery of our salvation. This is the miracle of amazing grace that it was for our malicious slander, our satanic lies, our false witness, our gossip, our ill speaking, that Jesus was condemned to die on the cross. And the gospel of God's amazing love is that the eternal judge of righteousness and absolute truth is also the Savior of grace and mercy who took our place and received the condemnation we deserve. Do you believe that? That is the truth. He is the one upon whom was heaped all the false accusations so that liars and false witnesses, you and I, could be saved. And Satan hurled all his lies against Jesus in order to destroy him. But Jesus rose from the dead in victory over him. Now who are you going to follow? Who are you going to live for? The liar who seeks only to destroy you? Or the one who is the truth? Who died to give you a new life and rose again to set you free by his word of truth? We all fell under the spell of the liar. And we ourselves became liars and false witnesses. But Christ died for our sins. And Christ rose from the dead to renew us and to restore us in His image, the image of our Creator, the image of the God of truth. His word is truth, so may our words be words of truth. He spoke His word to save us, to heal us, to build us up. He spoke His word of grace. So let us speak to build up one another and to give grace to those who hear. To his name be all praise, honor, and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray.
Gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word of truth and grace in Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray the power of your Holy Spirit and conform our lives to the image of your Son so that we might be people of the truth. To the glory of your name. Amen. 